Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 159, recording this live December 7th, 2013, bright and early on a Saturday morning. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untethered.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, again and again and again, Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association, actually in Toronto this time. And uh, yeah, happy to do this every week with you, Rob. So am I, Asif. And not only this, we're going to try to do a live episode next week when we are both in Washington, D.C. for MODAV on December 12th and 13th. Asif has got a keynote in the morning of the 13th. We're going to be doing a workshop in the afternoon of the 13th. Why the hell are you not going to be there? Two of us in the same room? I don't know. Has that ever happened? Yeah, if you can get there, you should be there. And in fact, uh, if you still haven't bought your ticket yet, just go to uh, you know the LBMA website, look for Modev uh, in the event list, and there's a discount code even LBMA13 is the discount code, saves you you know 200 bucks or 20 percent or something like that. Um, but go check it out. <laughs> and if you want to, yeah, uh, if you want to take a look, come see Rob and I at Modev. Come on, you we might even put you on the show live. We'll just do it. We're going to do it unless we're going to yeah. be finding guests, as running around the place, finding the guests. We're going to be recording it between episode, uh, between uh, keynotes. So uh, why not why not come out and see this disaster in a making? Not not our not our workshop, but the way that we're going to be doing this this podcast. Yeah. But uh, December twelfth, thirteenth, gomotive.com. Looking forward to seeing you there. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's our fourth year, Rob. We got to change it up. We got to do things differently, right? We got to try new things, and this is one yeah, of those we're things. Try right? new things in the yeah. same room. Yeesh. One camera. I don't know if I like to share my camera with you, though, Asif. That's <laughs> uh, this is an ego thing, right? All right. Yeah. So uh, we got a uh, huge show, limited amount of time, which usually means that they, you'll get the best of us in a very short period of time. No rambling. Maybe one rant. And one of the one of these. Maybe one or two rants, simply yeah. because some of the stories are a little bit insane. Uh, but first, we always start this with our mobile minute. Chuck Martin recently did a wrap of all of the mobile or the Cyber Monday and Black Friday shopping when it comes to a mobile perspective. So here are some numbers from Chuck Martin on our mobile minute. Welcome back to another mobile minute. So how'd mobile do on Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Well, between those two days, based on the research, uh, much holiday shopping is already over. Uh, okay, that's a slight, a slight exaggeration. Uh, but the number of projections and deals around commerce are, are nearing fever pitch. Uh, if you look at, at the, the data that we're seeing, latest projections from Comscore, uh, mega research outfit, shows Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales around $2 billion, with mobile spending for the overall holiday period reaching $7 billion US. So there's some serious money. Uh, IBM Digital Analytics Benchmark, which does research every, every day on, on shopping behavior, activity shows overall retail sales yesterday at uh, recently at 11 percent higher than the same period a year ago mobile accounting for 32 percent of all online traffic so mobile traffic is 42 percent higher than last year so mobile is really starting to have a big big impact this time around it seems one of the keys for success for mobile is to simplify a very complicated checkout and buying process would you agree with that 
Uh, yes, it's it's really about it's about looking at mobile throughout the entire process, not just the, sort of the getting out of the store, but getting in the store as well. So those deals and offers have to be relevant to the consumer based on where they are, what their mindset is, what they're doing, and when they're going to get the deal, and then how do you quickly get them through the entire buying process so that you can sort of they can move on and, and the retailer can move on or the merchant can move on to their next sale. Well, if you didn't spend any money over those two days, you were like the minority, especially when it comes to the mobile devices. Chuck opens, he said, basically, uh, you know, Christmas shopping is done. If you look at the numbers that have gone through here, I don't believe that because I haven't, I haven't started. Have you started your Christmas shopping, Steve? Uh, no, no, no. Short answer to that. Somebody said, nope. uh, "Hey, Rob, can we meet on December twenty fourth? I'm like, <laughs> "No, that is Christmas shopping <laughs> day." <laughs> I don't take holidays except for that. The afternoon, right? Right. There you go. I'd like to save it to the last minute. Yeah. Get some good deals. I, do, I may have a present for you, Rob. But what? Oh yeah, no! Yeah. Now there's pressure. I got one more to get. Yeah. Son of a gun. If you're if you're if you're a good boy this week, Rob, I, I might even bring it to you in in DC. How's that? Is, is it Springsteen's signed "Born to Run" uh, lyrics? <laughs> I know it sold for one hundred eighty thousand dollars. It'd be the greatest. Thing. All, right. All right. Anyhow, so uh, that was uh, Chuck Martin. Thank you, Chuck, for doing that with me each and every day. Boy, oh boy, I love uh, getting some insight from Chuck Martin, and that piece is getting a lot of traction. So if you're not subscribed, you should probably do so at Untether.tv. On with the rest of the show. Hey, Asif. I got you covered. Yes. Our app of the week uh, comes from a guy named Mark Dwyer uh, and his team uh, in, uh, in Florida. And, you know, a very simple app, um, but, you know, pretty useful, I think. It's, it's all about, you know, you're in an emergency situation and you need to, you know, let people know, let somebody know your emergency contact, your close family member, whatever, uh, that something's going on. And basically, with this app, one touch of a button... You know, it knows your location, obviously, from the phone's perspective, but one touch of a button, uh, it automatically starts recording, uh, you know, video and audio uh, from the device and then sends that out um, as a stream to your, uh, to your emergency contact. So pretty, pretty functional, pretty useful. Uh, I, this, the, these, these kind of apps I've seen a couple of times. Uh, maybe over the last couple of years, I've interviewed one other company. It's an Ottawa-based company that did this uh, similar to this. And uh, the only difference was that it also set out this piercing loud noise as well if you were being attacked by somebody in a parking lot or something like that. Um, these personal security apps, I think, are so important. And using the cloud and leveraging the video and all of the components of the phone to be able to yep. say, at least if something goes wrong, heaven forbid something goes wrong and you know something happens to you, but at least the last thing that you that happens here is going to be a picture of that person and the assailant or whatever it is being sent out, uh, you know, up to the cloud. So I think that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, and it's all about you know evidence. I mean, I was reading the description around this, and the guy uh, Mark Dwyer, he, he used to be an attorney uh, before he did this. Um, and uh, you know, he talks. One of the scenarios he talks about here is uh, is bullying, um, yeah. and we hear all the time about bullying at schools and kids. And you never have evidence. You just say, oh, so and so was you know calling me names and bullying me and and this that. But you know, like just picture these these teenagers or these kids, you know, like with with these phones, and they just hit a button, and they've got they've got that evidence sent out to wherever they need it to send send it to. So I think it's great. Uh, the only thing that is you know no coverage zones, um, and as yeah. these things become more pervasive, and and the assailants are or the bullies are on you know are aware of these things there's gonna be ways around it and i think for me the interesting piece of this is the when they extend something like this into the wearable space right so that it's not yeah. evident that you're hitting the record button it's just yeah i don't know what it is it's a, like a, a google glass you know when you say okay glass and it and it starts whatever that yep. whatever that word or the voice commands that initiate this i think is going to be killer and 
Uh, I think this is going to revolutionize this. And you're right. And even with kids, small kids in schools with a wrist bracelet or something like that, when they're worried about bullying as a parent, this is a great way to kind of to uh, get the evidence, as you said. Yeah. And while you're on that uh, train of thought, uh, not to dwell on this too much, but the on the wearable side, uh, I, I, one other thing that wasn't planned to talk about here today, but uh, the NYME guys, yeah. N-Y-M-E, we've talked about them before. Yep. They put out an announcement this week, earlier this week saying that they've got kind of a competition running for proposals on you know use cases and if you can come up with a great idea on how to use their 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 band um, they'll give you the uh, sort of the development uh, version of the thing for free to play with and, and work on so you know take Rob's you know that's my idea don't take guys, that I, I want know, one apply to apply to the NIME program and, uh, and get this thing done so. well you know I, I I sat with them and I fascinating technology but you're right is that we're gonna be fighting for one one wrist or you got two wrists yep. two ankles and a couple of years um, you've got to uh, you got to add some extensibility. I like that they're doing that. Just think, Rob. While you're in prison, you can have uh, you can have you know you can have the shackles on. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about. I'm not going to prison. Well, maybe not yet. But I uh, I got a parking ticket in Quebec. A parking ticket, and I failed to pay the parking ticket. So bad on me. But they have said basically that if I don't pay um, by December 15th, a motion to impose prison term will be pronounced against you. So most people just you know go through the process of you know, asking you to pay, but Quebec, they lock you up first and then get you to pay. So I, I love Quebec. I love, right. I love their punitive laws. It's great. It's uh, mm. it's Marshall. Yes. I'm going to prison December 15th. Awesome. For a parking ticket. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Our next story. Uh, well, let me just finish that. I got yeah. you dot com. I got, yes. I got you covered.com is where you should go for that application or it's available on uh, iPhone and Android as well. I got you covered.com. All right, now we can start our first story, Steve. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so our first uh, story of the week uh, is comes from Singapore, from Singtel, the big carrier over there that uh, we've talked about a few times uh, on the show. And they've uh, soft-launched, I guess, not really a, a full-on assault yet, uh, a new app called Like, which is spelled L-Y-K-E. Uh, and this is, you know, a bit of about uh, social discovery and, and shopping and finding, uh, you know, items that you want around you. So nothing, you know, crazy new about that. But there is some interesting angles that they're playing here. And this is a white label sort of repurposed version of the U.S. Uh, app called Wish. Um, and so, you know, interesting stuff going on here. Um, and in particular, you know, the, I like the payment piece around this. So it's not just, um, you know, hey, you found some products near you and, you know, that one's really interesting and you can, you can say you like it and share it with other people as the name implies. There is that social magnification piece. But um, for me, you know, the, the simplicity of paying via PayPal or credit card, uh, and I assume at some point, you know, bill to your carrier bill, since Singtel's a, a carrier, um, you know, all of that sort of ease of integration around this kind of stuff for me is really interesting. Your thoughts? Well, I think this was, uh, this is a very interesting thing. I like, you know, why reinvent something when, uh, you know, a Silicon Valley company called Wish basically yeah. has the technology that you want, has the same process that you want. It's a little bit unique. It's about curating a uh, great product into an application like this. So it's not just dump all the products in and then have you search it's curated which adds a, a yes. layer of value and I, and I like that there's obviously a, a defensive mechanism of, uh, of um, around something uh, another app that was set to launch called carousel which was a partnership with Rakuten right uh, out of um, yes. where there's ja the Japanese company Japanese Rakuten. Company, so yeah. they're all coming in to uh, Singapore as well so they were set to announce that a week later a week from now and uh, so Singtel launched this a week before 
Um, and this is this is really interesting because Ottawa-based company Shopify just signed a um, a long-term contract, a distribution contract with uh, Singtel to help uh, get their stores out, the Shopify stores out. And you know about Shopify, it's it's a mix, right? It's uh, but mostly artisan type. Uh, unique products that, that go right. through Shopify stores. I mean, it's a hipster brand. I hate using that term, but you, so you start to think about the, uh, you know, there's another Ottawa company here called End Product who I've interviewed where they have created really great handmade locally sourced goods, high quality woods and everything that they use or leathers or, um, and so that's the type of product that you see in a Shopify store. Uh, so it's n-product.com. So I, I, you know, I think that that's a great source for Singtel to be able to get some unique products in and curate those unique products. Um, but, but this is, I don't know that Singtel is the right company to be able to curate great product. You know, can they do this properly? Well, you know, so one of the pieces of this 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 announcement is is that they're they're tying the the like app into the uh, what they call insing.com, which is their lifestyle portal. Right. So you know, I think from the the perspective of you know, like a lot of big media companies, right? You know, here in Canada, we have Rogers. You know, for example, that you know has a, a, a fairly robust publishing media magazine. Arm, uh, they get a lot of data from from that side in terms of understanding, you know, user uh, preferences and, and and desires, and I think the same goes here in the case of Singtel and this and this particular um, this lifestyle portal. So they they understand from the portal side, you know, and the all the advertising that runs on there, you know, what people are thinking about, what's in what's trending, what's fashionable, all that kind of stuff in a in a in a sort of big demographic swath you know kind of look at things and then they're taking that data you know to kind of help the curation exercise on the like app uh, combining that with the, with the personalized stuff so part of this is is you you connect to like with facebook um, and then it, it looks at that you know the facebook graph data as well on you as an individual you know gender age interest all that kind of stuff and and so they've got that from the personalized piece in terms of what they're recommending to you combined with sort of the the overall you know sort of country region demographic stuff coming from the the uh, InSync piece and I think together yeah I think it gives them you know a significant uh, advantage in terms of being able to you know curate in a, in a nice way and then as you said the Shopify piece is cool because you know it's the mashup of the two things on the one side Shopify is bringing the merchants you know onto the system and on the other side, the like app is bringing the consumer onto the system, and then you're trying to find the match in the middle, right? Yes. Uh, in terms of what's going to drive. So, so I really like this. I think this is really, really smart. You know, this is this is an interesting play for Shopify because you know one of the biggest criticisms that I have of this company, uh, there aren't very many, is that uh, you know there's no real marketplace. They tried to do an iPad app of a marketplace and, and uh, they realized that building their own application and then trying to market that application is a very difficult thing to do while they're also trying to build their web-based technology, their commerce store platform. So this ultimately, if this works, this is a very unique thing where Singtel becomes, well, where Shopify becomes the back-end product provider for Singtel's app, right? right. So it's, it's, a, it's basically syndicating the product that's coming through Singtel or through uh, Shopify, the unique products into Singtel, and it then for you know for anybody who's who's a unique product inside of Shopify, 
Um, now you have a distribution mechanism, a global distribution mechanism through Shopify's partners like Singtel. And I think that's the bigger deal here than, than actually Singtel partnering to actually get other merchants in the stores. I think this is a yep. very unique opportunity. And if that was their plan, Toby, Harley, man, I tip my hat to you guys. There you go. Just not as smart as you guys. So uh, I, this is a very cool app. The, the app is like L-Y-K-E. And uh, what, what I love the fact that they position it as a soft launch, but it's very much a defensive launch against Carousel and Rakuten. So uh, this was a, what a great story. So our second story, Asif, your favorite company on the planet, I think, or at least the one that you think is going to dominate, just the way that I think Amazon is going to dominate. We get to speak mm -hmm. to Am about Amazon next. But So PayPal partners with this company called Orderbird in Germany. I think this is huge, significant. If I'm square, I'm shaking in my boots. Yeah, this this is really interesting. So this is all about them, uh, you know, making the payment process easier for merchants. You know, streamlining uh, this and and it's in and the Orderbird's a is a Berlin Germany uh, based company, um, and it's kind of neat because what they're doing is is they're combining uh, check ins with payments. Um, and so basically, you know, you go into a store, um, and you know you're you check into that store basically and and then that profile data that's coming from the check-in side is used to you know sort of act as the authentication for a payment uh, a PayPal transaction so you check in the location you enter kind of the product uh, stuff that you want um, you know it could be barcode scanning of the product it could be you know other ways to do that uh, PayPal has uh, numerous ways you know um, to do that uh, and then basically you know you facilitate the payment you know through through the PayPal app and then remember, PayPal also has you know their own beacon technology now, and other things going on around this. So, the potential for this is huge, right? And you know, I, I like one th one of the things I like about this is you know, and uh, having spent some time in Germany in the last little while, and you know, when we, we when we did our launch in Berlin, PayPal was front and center on the panel, very active in that in that market. Um, you know, and I like that as an organization, they go. And they say, you know, like the, they, they, they pioneer some of these things in other markets other than the U.S., right? Um, and kind of get them going and, and, and kind of, you know, get some serious traction and then come back and say, like, look how successful this has been. Uh, let's roll this out into, you know, a, a market 100 times the size of, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. and others. So I love it. I think it's good. Yes. Orderbird is in 1,700 stores in Germany. And this is one of those things that I completely, 100% agree with you. Now, I said at the beginning that this is something that if I was square, I'd be quaking. I'd be shaking yeah. in my boots. Because one of the things that is, there's two sides to that. One is that it works, right? And it's, that uh, PayPal gains momentum with this. They acquire Orderbird. They start to roll this out. Because PayPal, as you know, is very aggressive. You can pay with PayPal and Home Depot. And you can do all. So they're starting to get into this space. And so one of, one of the situations is that it works exceptionally well. They acquire Orderbird. They then roll out Orderbird across the planet and they uh, they dominate. The second thing is that it doesn't work and that people walk away from it or, or PayPal walks away from it. That's that's a big um, indictment against the Square technology as well. Um, so, but the thing that I love, love, love about this is that they're doing this. They're using a country as a beta test and uh, they're not doing it in the middle of the fray, which is the crap that's going on in North America, which is everybody's fighting for this space. They found one market where Square isn't in and they found another a market where there's already established user base, which is very good strategy. And they're just they're not being the dominant player in this relationship. They're leveraging a partner in Orderbird to bring PayPal into them. They're not PayPal first, Orderbird second. It's Orderbird first, PayPal second. Right. And that is a company to me 
that understands how to grow, that they cannot be alpha dog the entire time. I like that a lot. And I think the key to this too is is the the seventeen hundred uh, merchants uh, that are on this system on the order bird system are these are small you know medium yes. businesses these aren't big you know corporations multinationals um, you know these are the local you know coffee shops and uh, you know uh, the kinds of businesses that are also you know I, I would think targets for like uh, in Singapore yeah and uh, yeah. you know and, and so the, the nice thing about that is is you know this idea of facilitating this payment you know you see your product you scan it you pay for it you know through the PayPal uh, app um, you know is also about experience it's it's about you know not having to have people line up and 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 you know you know do all that you can you can exit the store without ever you know you know going to the cash um, yeah, you know, to do that. So, so th I think that's you know a nice element to it. it. You know, it's an experience thing, but it could be good or bad, right? In small, medium business, you know, sometimes you know, high touch, human touch is, you know, is paramount. But um, you know, in other scenarios, like in, in in a coffee shop, lots of lots of people, you know, where you know there might be you know very very busy in the morning and lined up. You, you may not want to hang around forever. You'd be happy to you know scan and uh, and pay and, and walk out. So. We're going to talk about this in our sixth story, but uh, you yeah. know the the transaction is the last piece of this. It's the most, it's the least important piece of everything that goes on in the whole buying process. So yeah. uh, you you know if you can just obfuscate that by what what PayPal and Orderbird are doing, I think it's great. The last point on this that I'll make is that Square came into this world like a shot out of hell, focusing on the small and medium sized enterprises. They signed a deal with Starbucks and moved up 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 upstream and uh, we talked about this on a couple of episodes which was uh, you know it's have they abandoned the SMEs again and maybe PayPal comes right. in there because that's where they're dominant and uh, they're moving into this space and that's why I like this whole thing go PayPal Something there you go PayPal God I love them I don't know why man I, like, all right now your favorite company my favorite company nice. yeah so I don't know if you if you heard this if you're listening to this or watching this or you've been in a cave or you've been head down inside of your store because it's been so crazy because of the shopping season. But uh, Amazon announced this thing. Bezos on 60 Minutes of all places talked to, announced this thing called the Amazon Air Drone Service. And um, well, I thought, you know, initially uh, when you sent me the video and then we saw it everywhere, I thought it was a joke. And I actually put out this tweet. I, you know, I, I did a tweet twice, right? So I put it out and I said, I, I wrote it and I'm like, you know, Bezos is the greatest ever. And then I, I kind of held back until somebody else confirmed that this was actually going to happen or this was an actual announcement. It wasn't a joke. Um, I mean, I have a man crush on Bezos. I, I, I tell everybody that. Um, but the whole idea here is that you who order a product now can get it delivered by a drone if you're within a certain radius. So it's literally Amazon to door drone service. And this is on one hand, totally geeky, awesome, wicked, cool, amazing. Then I want to believe that can happen like space travel and Elon Musk. Uh, but on the other side of it is that is this just are we, we're not ready for this. There's nothing that is ready for this. Not even in the next no, five. Years. I mean, the concept is I agree. I mean, it's 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 wonderful. Uh, you know, it's captures the imagination. It, it's amazing to think about. Right. Uh, you know, 30-minute delivery, uh, you know, via a drone, you know, showing up at your house. I mean, what kid is not going to want to sit there waiting for this package to arrive, right? Yeah. Um, and see this thing fly up to his door. And, and then shoot and it down. Right? Um, but, yeah, and that's, and that's exactly it. I mean, the reality is is that, you know, this, this isn't going to happen, at <laughs> least in, in our lifetime. Don't I, burst you know, my I don't bubble, Asif. Why? Um, 
you know, yeah, maybe our children's lifetime, you know, this kind of thing might happen. But, you know, the reality is the FAA is never going to approve this kind of stuff. The safety issues are way too high around it. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, yes, you and I can go out and buy a remote control helicopter or, or air, you know, you know, the there is that drone thing and, you know, you can control with your iPhone, all that kind of stuff. But that's just us playing around. That's yeah. not a commercial service. Um, you know, that's, you know, uh, you know, trying to fight UPS and, and FedEx. Um, you know, so there's a lot of issues with this. I mean, safety issues for one, you know, people hijacking these things for another, uh, you know, kids sitting there with their BB guns, shooting them down. I mean, I mean, a lot, too many issues around this. But what I love about this, and this is the, for me, you know, the, the brilliance of Bezos and Amazon, and this is, look, it's 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 we just finished U.S. Thanksgiving. It's the Christmas season. Shopping is you know is front and center of everybody's mind, except for you and I, apparently, because we wait till the last minute. Yes, but for everybody else on the planet, you know, Christmas shopping is is the thing right now. And so, you know, you know, Amazon is obviously a major retailer uh, in that space, and, and people are going to be buying from Amazon. So why not, you know? own the media cycle for, you know, a few hours in, in this case um, and, and come up with some kind of crazy announcement like this because whether it's possible or not is not, not the point in my view. This, <laughs> this is about everybody uh, in, in the world right now is talking about Amazon. I mean, I was this week uh, at uh, doing some, some, some stuff for uh, Office Max in Chicago. And you know, I asked them about this, and they and obviously, I mean, they said, yeah. We, I mean, we've had discussions about this internally this week. Everybody is talking yeah. about this, right? Everybody's talking about this. It's never going to happen. But you want to be part of the you know the hype cycle around Christmas, and everybody talking about Amazon. What better way to do it than this? He's a genius, man. He is a genius. Jeff Bezos. Uh, I mean, I, and even on the front page of uh, CNN's website. Uh, which is, you know, lately been reserved for celebrity deaths and so on and so forth, and obviously Nelson Mandela. But right there on the on the front page was, is Bezos the next Steve Jobs? Right, and I think right. what he's doing is he's eliciting this thing called imagination, and the same thing with Elon Musk and space travel and what he's doing uh, out in the Mojave Desert. And I, so I, I, this is this is amazing, and I don't see that there's anything wrong with this kind of uh, imagination. I, I believe wholeheartedly that what he really wanted to announce. What he really wanted to talk to uh, talk about on 60 Minutes wasn't so much a drone package. It was teleportation. I think that he and, and he was talked <laughs> down and said, listen, let's at least make it a little bit realistic where there's right. a chance that this can happen. So, I am, uh, you know, Bezos, they understand how to market. They understand the power that this position of Amazon has in the marketplace and how everybody's looking at them. And you're right. By, in, by doing this, it, the greatest Christmas marketing piece on the planet and they gave him a mic on 60 minutes to do it uh, it's amazing it really I, is think about that just for two seconds here you who are listening to this or watching this like me and like asif we have to market our products we have to market and you're always hustling say you run a shopify store i don't care what you do you have to market your products and you've heard this many times before when you get in the media Make sure you have a point. Make sure you have something that you want to say. Don't be directed by the person asking the questions. You direct that conversation. And here's a guy like Bezos, media savvy. His team must have come up, sit down. Okay, at this moment, drop this. You know, and it changed that conversation. And for a week now, we've been talking about Amazon and nothing else. So get on point. Make sure you're going to do something like this. If you're going to be in the media, lead the media. Don't let them lead you. It goes for me. It goes for Steve. 
But boy, oh boy, that is like classic. Bezos is the god. <laughs> All righty. All right. So that's it. The first three stories we've had eBay. We, or PayPal, we've had uh, Amazon, and we've had a great story from Singtel uh, with their Like app and the way that they're doing it in Shopify from Ottawa. We're going to come back with even better stories, including Texas Instruments, uh, Apple, and of course, uh, oh, something I'm just going to rip a shred into, which is going to be fun if we have enough time. But before we get there, I sat down with Mark Castricini, who is the VP Software Development of Merchant Warehouse. We're talking about the influence that mobile and location is having on people waiting in line inside of the Best Buy or the big stores. Uh, and you talk about Amazon inf Amazon's influence, uh, this thing called showrooming. Uh, boy, you don't want people to wait in line because their minds are made and they could be out that door in a second. Give them a little bit of time to do research and you are done. So here, Mark Castricini, VP Software Development at Merchant Warehouse, talking about that exact problem. We'll be back on the flip. Shopping experience starts with a browse on on the desktop, and then it'll it'll end up uh, with you know uh, price comparison on the rack in a store, and then the whole idea is that at some point uh, you know maybe all I want to do is to pick up the product, uh, buy it from my device, and walk out the door without a line. Uh, is that how you describe this multi-channel thing? Yeah, it's it's really kind of combining all these methods to buy something, right? And 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 it's been around for a while, although it's getting a little more press recently. Mm -hmm. um, because you've always had that retail experience, and then you've had that online e-commerce experience. And, and certainly in some cases they've blended, but you know at the end of the day it was two numbers. What's interesting is you start to bring mobile commerce in, and, and we'll define mobile commerce as you buying something on your phone. You know, it, it's basically the e-commerce experience on a small device. Yes. But what's happening is it's happening in the store, so why wouldn't I walk out with the product, right? So we haven't seen a lot of consumer self-service mobile commerce yet, but we are seeing sort of merchant uh, staff in aisle checkout buying, it, people experimenting with those things. And basically, as you know, they'll talk about the disconnected countertop. You look at the Apple store model, which is a little bit niche, right? That's a specialty product, yes. high value. It's going to be harder for me to walk into a Walmart with a carriage full of stuff and basically walk out with the carriage as someone has checked me out at the door. Uh, but it's certainly feasible, and you know, look at it, if I go in and get the TV at Walmart, why do I need to do anything but just pass one person and pay? Right. You know, it, it's funny because uh, you you know, based on the the way that you pay uh, at a an Apple store, is that uh, it goes against all of the science and the psychology of shopping in a store, right? Which is the, you, you know, there's a reason why a, a grocery store is laid out the way a grocery store is laid out, right? And and most people turn right and it's, uh, and then you go around a loop and then and then there's there's impulse buys at the cash register, right? There's the pop and chocolate bars and gums and all those kind of things. And and now they've gone up market a little bit with, uh, you know, Mach 3 razors for 25 bucks right at the cash. So, you, you know, I think that, you know, by enabling payments anywhere, you, you know, I think that there's a, a lot of fear as a result of that, simply because these these industries have grown on science based on getting somebody to the cash register, right? Now you're talking yeah. about taking the cash registers out and what happens to the retail industry as a result of mobile payment technologies. Yeah, and that's one of the really interesting balances that we're seeing happen, right? So literally three years ago, you looked at Black Friday, it started becoming a hotbed four or five years ago, if you will. And they built all this stanchioning, just ropes for the counters and the lines and all of that because they had to manage the lines. And now you walk into a Best Buy and what do you see? You see three new aisles of basically things to go through as you go to the checkout counter. And it's all temporary because they're going to yeah. move it all back into the store later. So merchants can certainly see an aspect where they might lose that opportunity in revenue. But 
what's interesting is now that they're considering is when people are waiting in line, which we're losing an appetite for, I might just stay home and buy it online, which is concerning because I'm probably going to price shop from the comfort of my home. And certainly people walk into the store today and price shop on their phone. So that's a consideration. But now that people are sitting in a long line at the store, even though all these small elements are up on the counters and, you know, it's, it's candy bars and, yeah, in some cases it's video games and DVDs. But that's giving me an opportunity to now do something else on my phone because you can be sure I'm going to look straight down. And then maybe I'm going to take a second look at that product in my hand and, and use one of those great applications that's going to shop locally in the area. So, you know, I think it's up to the merchants to really think hard about improving the experience and that includes not just the line but also that in aisle experience right if you can't provide me as a merchant an opportunity to get better shopping experience even while I'm looking at a product I might be using one of those third-party apps to do it and you can be sure that if a third-party app is helping me shop there's gonna be some incentives from other retailers to try to pull me out of the store and that might come in the form of a discount or things like that so a lot of interesting challenges they have as much as the opportunities around. Yeah, and and maybe the catalyst is that that first purchase, like location-based marketing. When you're in the store, uh, I, I think that there's a huge opportunity that if, if you you and I have a relationship already and I'm having those second thoughts is that you should be very proactive with me while I'm standing in line or give me some incentive so I don't stand in line because uh, you're right. The, the impact is detrimental to those organizations. But but while you're in the store, how about how about, you know, fighting for my business. Well, just because I'm in there doesn't mean you've won, right? And I think that's the big lesson that a lot are learning. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I want to thank Mark for allowing us to use this clip on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, now, he this episode will be probably up in the new year, uh, a little bit backed up with all the great interviews that are coming out here, and I'm trying to get them out as quickly as I can. So uh, look for that. But uh, you can find them at merchantwarehouse.com if you're interested in what they are doing. Thanks, Mark, for doing that. Really appreciate you allowing us to use that and your time. All right, back into the stories. Asif, are we in patent violation with Texas Instruments when it comes to indoor location um, now? Do we think so? <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, many companies maybe, uh, and, and this is you know I pulled this story out this week for a couple of reasons. You know, one because it's it's about indoor location and uh, and it's a hot topic, and uh, you know we we tend to cover it a lot on this show. Um, but you know I, I pulled this out because this is you know Texas Instruments, a company we do not hear about. We haven't. I mean, this is like one of the oldest tech companies on the planet, or something like that, right? I mean. Uh, I'm looking for a calculator. Know, I know I have one around here. It's like yeah, a tech it, it, my first calculator was a Texas Instruments calculator. Right? I mean, I think you and I are of that vintage where, um, you know, that, uh, you know, it's a name we knew growing up, right? Uh, do you remember, do you remember when kids, you, weren't you, know, allowed to, you weren't allowed to take calculators into exams? You are today, but, uh, you know, back back then you weren't, <laughs> you right? You couldn't. Yes. Uh, but between them and Casio at the time, I mean, that was the calculator market, right? Yep. Casio. Um, Yes, I had a matching Casio uh, calculator and watch. Not together. Yeah. yeah. Separate. I was so, I mean, stuff. anyways, yeah. it's a company we don't hear much from. No. Uh, but here they are, uh, you know, having uh, filed a, pat a patent not too long ago. In 2012, they filed this patent. Uh, and it's all about uh, a method for indoor positioning using uh, Wi-Fi, YLAN, um, you know, space that we talk about a lot. And I think, you know, I read this patent in detail and it, and it's it's interesting because, you know, so many of the services, you know, over the last few years, 
that we've talked about on the on the show you know a lot of these indoor location services have been Wi-Fi based now the market is shifting to you know because of Apple in the iBeacons to to BLE but if you're still out there and you're running stuff on Wi-Fi I think you have something to be concerned about here I mean based on what I you know I mean is it a patent troll situation maybe maybe not but the reality is is this is a big company I mean Texas Instruments is still the third biggest chip manufacturer on the planet um, and so, you know, they've, they've certainly got lots of lawyers and lots of people to go after you uh, if they so choose to do so. So I, I think it's, uh, it's something to be worried about, um, especially if you are Wi-Fi, WLAN based uh, in your algorithms for determining indoor location and position. Yeah, I mean, they are a huge company, and I don't want to take anything against Texas Instruments. Um, and, and it, you know, it, should this be awarded, it's their next move that will dictate whether we feel good about them or feel bad about them. Are they protecting yeah. the idea, and then they're going to let it go? Or are they protecting the idea in order to be able to go and be punitive and go out and sue people? So, you know, I think the jury's still out. Are they turning into patent trolls? Is this a last-ditch effort for them to be in this space or to migrate into the space? Um, or are they doing this, you know, Google does this. Google patents a bunch of stuff and then lets people use it, fair use, and, and, uh, and they don't go after them. But uh, then on the flip side, Apple patents stuff and then hammers you, right? Uh, yeah. It's very punitive. So if Texas Instruments is going to do this, then, um, you know, I, I wonder. They're, they're probably just a little bit too late with, as you said, with uh, low energy Bluetooth and other, uh, other solutions that are much more amenable to, uh, to indoor location that don't rely on any kind of signals other than, you know, proximity. So, uh, yeah, I think the jury's still out on this. It's late to be patenting this, like 2012. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and you have to think that the angle, if there is one for them, is, you know, being a, chip, a major chip manufacturer is, is what devices, right. you know, hold these these TI chips in them, um, you know, in terms of determining location. And is that the limiting factor here? At the end of the day, you know, it might not be, you know, the iPhone or something else. Um, you know, it might be any device that happens to have a TI chip and is and somebody's trying to determine location from that. Uh, that is, you know, the challenge here. But, I, you know, it's hard to tell. And it's certainly, you know, I think really late to be uh, trying to make a play in this space. But, hey, you're TI. Yeah. yeah Give no, it a shot. No, big, slow company. Right? Yeah. So we'll see how, how this looks. And my hope is that they don't get, uh, they don't get all litigious. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Our, right. uh, fifth our story? next story. Yeah, this is an our interesting one. Is Apple uh, buying a company called Topsy, and this is kind of this this this. I have to say, I, this was not something I was expecting at all. Uh, they paid two hundred million dollars, apparently, uh, which is a for lot this for Apple. Yeah, it is a lot, uh, and this is a company that is about. Um, Kind of, you know, analyzing all the data running through Twitter, uh, in particular, and kind of looking at that uh, social networks, uh, including uh, they also do Facebook and Google Plus, uh, but mainly uh, it's it's basically a Twitter query uh, facility, um, and uh, it's interesting because obviously there's a lot of data going through Twitter. It's, it, it, you know, <laughs> I don't I, I don't even know what the volume is. But it's hard to understand a little bit about what you know what Apple sees in this or what they what they intend to do with this. There was no discussion. I mean, it was a typical Apple acquisition. You know, we t you know the standard line. You know, we buy small companies from time to time. You know, and, and that that's basically all they said. Um, you know, there, there's some speculation that this you know all that data and what they can do with it can help them um, you know on the curation and recommendation piece around you know what they're doing with iTunes and iTunes Radio. And uh, apps as well. You're right. And apps. Yeah, the app store. But um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I don't know. You know what? I, I see there's two read. properties that we that we talk. One we talk about quite a bit. 
uh, in Siri. The other one is in iAds. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that Topsy does exceptionally well, I think, is is sentiment analysis, right? So, yes, you know, and I think that that's one of the things that, that a lot of people um, kind of omit is that you can be talking about a brand and it's a negative way. Like I talk about the gap all the time through Twitter and it's never positive, right? I'm tired of getting their email yeah. campaigns for dresses. I have, do not wear dresses. I did when I was younger, but now I've... I've so they, they do not understand that. Um, so sentiment. So I'm angry with Gap and I keep getting responses from Gap saying, hey, thanks for tweeting about us. I'm like, no. And it gets me. Anyways. Did so, you read the tweet I sent? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you didn't. You just responded. Right. So sentiment is one of the things. But when it comes to their aggregation of data, like Siri is going like more and more. We're starting to look at this, that Siri is going to be their interface through the car. We've seen that integration directly in the cars, in the Ford sinks, I think. Yeah. And um, and, uh, you know, obviously, while you're walking around in any kind of external device that they might be coming out in the new year, I, Siri is going to be the is going to be the glue that brings all that together. This kind of data fed into Siri, this kind of data fed into iAds. Boy, oh boy, does that ever make a huge difference for the, the, the intelligence of those applications? Mm -hmm. And then I think as a secondary piece, it is about discovery around applications through iTunes, music uh, uh, recommendations, um, yep. and, and also bringing up trends. Now, they use uh, Twitter as their base. Uh, we're talking about Topsy here. Uh, they're searching Twitter because of the the flood, and there is a void there for any right. kind of analysis of, of uh, go what's going through Twitter. But it doesn't mean that they can't move it over to a bunch of different things, a bunch of different parameters. And I think that music recommendation, trending recommendations, understanding what's hot right now, uh, and certainly about location and uh, even apps, uh, I, I think is very powerful. So, so let me ask you a question then, Rob. Yeah. Do, you, do you think an acquisition like this? Uh, means that an Apple acquisition of somebody like Foursquare doesn't make sense anymore? You know what? I think that they're trying to build this around Foursquare. I, my guess is that they've had the conversation with Foursquare, and Foursquare wants an insane you know, yeah. billions of dollars for that. And, and yeah. Apple's just looking and seeing... Because effectively, this gives them a lot of that it does. Of stuff in a different different way. Well, um, it, provided but, that Twitter doesn't turn off their access to the Twitter feed, right? Because yes. uh, I think that this is now... I mean, we are... we are. Uh, this is like risk, right? We are now building borders around the things that we want to protect. And Twitter, we know, can you know takes their ball often and goes and plays by themselves, right? They've done this many times with their developer community yep. and and it to to the it was the right decision and if i was twitter looking at this i'm thinking on the board the day after this acquisition the moment it happens is that there's a big apple sign on a whiteboard saying do we disconnect topsy right and right. they have to be thinking about that but yes i think that this circumvents that i think siri is trying to circumvent a, a billion dollar acquisition of foursquare and and yep. uh, right for them the thing that i find really interesting is that siri I think the rumors were that that was a $20 million acquisition in its infancy. And mm -hmm. all the tools around making Siri better are basically a billion dollars that they've spent. Yeah. I mean, Apple Apple is just on fire right now. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I mean, they uh, this week they rolled out uh, iBeacon uh, into their own stores. stores they're 250-plus yeah. stores. And, and they're, you know, as Apple tends to do, it's, it's you know, let, let's show the world, you know, how this stuff works, you know, with our own retail environment so that every other retailer sits there and goes, we need to be doing this. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, I mean, retailers sit there and they go, you know, the, the model is Starbucks or the, app sto the Apple store, right? Yep. And so, you know, they see this stuff and they, and, they, and they prove it themselves and show it with their own stuff. And then everybody else just goes, yeah, we need, we need to do that. 
Um, so, so I think that's cool. And then, you know, just on the, back to the patent discussion for a minute, Apple was also granted a patent this week, um, just a quick sidebar, on facial recognition technology. So another authentication method. I mean, they have fingerprint already. Now they have facial recognition as well. I mean, these guys are just, they're rolling. Um, you know, so it, it, it's so true. And, and um, Steve Jobs, who? Exactly. Well, I think this is still his legacy, right? I think that you're it is, we're it seeing is. his kidding. legacy. I, 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 he, uh, yeah, I was. You know, yeah, I know. I know. In awe of that man. But what, what you start to think about this is that I've recently made the switch back from Chrome. Like I've given up on Chrome um, simply because you know every once in a while I think like you know what he knows too much. Google knows too much about me for free. So I've moved back to Safari. I've also yeah. moved away from Google Maps and onto the Apple Maps because their platform is great. Sure, sometimes it doesn't find the location. I end up in a place yeah. that where it, it, I don't end up in a place that's that's different. I just it doesn't find it on the map and I have to go and find the address. But the experience is way better than Google Maps now, I find. Yeah. So, you know, and the data is getting better. It's getting more accurate, too. It is. And it's gradual. And we knew that was going to happen. So you're right. This momentum uh, and the things that they do in store to me are amazing. Right. Yeah. The challenge that I have is that you can't use somebody like Starbucks or somebody like the Apple store as your basis if you're a small and medium sized enterprise simply because your demographic that goes into the store is not expecting to go in there and find you know a guy in a shirt and use the device uh, in yeah. their hand to pay, um, and then yeah. have their receipt email you know, and, and walk out you know six hundred dollars later in the pocket. Yeah, like yeah. that, like that. <laughs> but but this is this is all part of that yeah. play, right? And so when you when you integrate something like Topsy into that layer, the deep analytical dive, big data, and then mm. making sure that that information lands on the screen that is appropriate for it at, at the moment that it's appropriate for it. That 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 is what I think Topsy is. That's why they spent two hundred million dollars on this. It's to augment Siri. It's to augment their iAds platform. It's to increase the sales inside their store. It's the it's an it's amazing there. amazing amazing thing what they're doing with the retail space. Um, so you can look at it in Marvel, but you can't base your business on it because you don't have what one hundred eighty billion dollars sitting in the bank. So you can be envious, but uh, and then just go and buy their product because uh, yeah. Exactly. They're building the future of retail with this. So Apple cool. buys Topsy and then a whole bunch of other stuff. So we talked, oh man. So uh, PayPal, eBay, we talked about Amazon, Apple. Uh, and we're going to finish with a flurry here. What do you think? <laughs> we're going to talk Rob's about this. favorite story of the week right yeah. here. Here we go. You know, I don't think it's a bad story. So uh, there was a story that came out that a bunch of Dallas merchants are using this uh, thing called Cartwheel Register. And uh, the Cartwheel Register is uh, was being built by a company called Tantrum Street, um, which is an interesting name, Tantrum Street. Uh, you know, Tantrum, I see that all the time with my seven-year-olds, uh, Tantrum mm -hmm. Street. Um, so, you know, this is an interesting thing where basically it's, you know, uh, you uh, walk into a store and you don't have to swipe your credit card. It's a, a recognition software for your credit card. Now, I thought this was facial recognition. I thought this is interesting because we talked about, uh, you know, Square. Uh, we talked about PayPal and Orderbird getting into this space. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, maybe one more one more entrant isn't bad. Uh, you know, you walk in, it's a loyalty play, but no. No, Asif, this is about holding your credit card up in the air and they take a scan of your credit card, uh, a picture of your credit card, so you don't have to scan your credit card. Yeah, and they store the numbers what somewhere. What the... Like... <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, so here, here's you know, my... Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, you just... Can... Uh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead, Rob. Rant, rant, rant. Come on. 
So we, we don't want to hold you back. No, I mean, we talk about this all the time, is that, uh, and we do on this show, and I do with Chuck all the time, and it's so frustrating that we see these things coming out like this, is that the transaction is not the goal, right? The transaction is the outcome of the experience that you have yes. with a retailer. So the fact that everybody's focused on the fact that, look, we're making payments easier. You don't. Payments are freaking easy when you want the product and you've had a good experience, right? Payments are a pain when you stand in line and you hate the store and you hate the fact, it's like Christmas shopping, right? Payments are not the end game. You don't get the payment unless you do the 37,000 things before that to satisfy the customer. So the fact that this company is out there touting the fact that this is a payment process, it's like, hey, don't worry. All you have to do is flash your your credit card up there. Not to mention security challenges. I'm holding a credit card up there. I can take the picture of the front. I get the uh, little number on the back that everybody can see. It is a security risk. It is all those kind of things. It is dumb, 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 dumb. But I could actually accept it if that was an outcome because they've done some innovation in the service layer, but they haven't done it. They're focusing on the transactions. It's a technology play. This is a dead technology before it even begins. Yeah, I mean, you read this thing and they talk about comparing it to, you know, tabbed out and ISIS no, and all, you know. No. I mean, you know, and, and it's, the, it's the failure. I completely agree with you. It's the failure of all of these guys, you know, MCX, ISIS, tabbed out, whoever. Who cares about um, the know, transaction? And, and now, and now, you know, uh, cartwheel register. Yes. I mean, you know, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, this is not about, you know, let's change the uh, the merchant transaction fee and lower it by, you know, you know, point one two three eight seven, you know, percent, um, because we're going to save you three cents on the transaction, yeah. you know, over the other, you know, transaction platform. We're past Who that. Who cares? We're past that. Right? Who cares? Are you actually driving more transactions because you're doing something different in the store and you're creating an experience for people? You, you remember we talked about, uh, we had that example uh, from McDonald's in Singapore with the NFC happy table and all yep. that kind of stuff. As much as you never go to McDonald's, Rob, right? The reality is for people who do go to McDonald's, you know, that kind of thing is about creating an experience in the store where the kids are there, they want to be there, they want to play with this thing, the parents are going to buy them more stuff. They're going to go there more often, and they're going to do what? More transactions 100%. because there's an experience that's worthwhile being there in the store. Yep. Right? And, and, and that's what I don't like about any of these things, any of these platforms, is because they're so just focused on the transaction. Why is NFC going nowhere in, 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 in the U.S. in particular right now? Not just because you know the the iOS seven and the iBeacon and, and all of that is just you know killing it right now. It's because it's only been positioned by all these players as a transaction platform and not as yep. here's what we can do with NFC to make that experience better. Yep. Well, and, and right? you are so right. And McDonald's gets it right. So my kids have been there once. Their grandparents took them to McDonald's. Yep. They didn't tell us. Um, they didn't eat the food, but what they did do was play on those jungle gyms. They understand yeah. the experience, right? Now we yeah. drive past that McDonald's all the time and they're like, dad, I just want to go play in the jungle gyms. Yeah. Right? So it, it, they, they get that. These guys don't. And that's why, uh, you know, the conversation that I, that I had uh, with Mark Castricini uh, from uh, Merchant Warehouse is exactly what we should be thinking about is that they've, they've basically said, listen, transactions are a commodity, right? You don't have to worry about Square or this or ISIS or anything. All you want to know is that you want to do mobile transactions. So we'll take care of that. We'll, don't worry about it, right? 
that's done. Now work on the other things that make your business the important piece that in somebody else's lives, yeah. the loyalty, the, the, uh, the customer engagement, the experience in store. Right. If somebody's in your goddamn store, they have committed to you, not 100%. Right. And as you saw from that little clip from Mark is that even if they're in line product in hand, they've made the decision, the emotional attachment to the product, they're about to buy it. They're pulling out their phone and they're about to check the price or review somewhere else. And there's a good chance that if you make them wait for six minutes in that line, they're going to put the product down and go next door to buy it because they found a better deal. That means, man, payments don't matter because they're not getting right. to the cash register. Exactly. Oh! I'm not even it, it, yeah oh. so that's that's the frustration when we see this technology first thing innovate in the customer service layer don't innovate in the payment stuff payments are a commodity and you know what the easiest thing to do the, the most fluent currency on the planet is the us dollar right now and you have to compete with the us dollar you're not going to so that's why i look at this and think it might be localized it might just be in dallas it's going to stay in dallas that's it so there you go cartwheel register cartwheel register tantrumstreet.com Give us a call. We just had a tantrum on it, didn't we? We did. Exactly. I feel like my kids. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. okay All right. our, our last piece here is our resource, uh, which I find amazing. I drive a Mazda, a CX-9, because I have twins and yeah. lots of stuff. I, I love this brand. I love this product. Uh, I love everything about Mazda. My whole family has driven Mazdas. I, I, I was the black sheep when I drove a Jeep for a little while, but then I, I, I saw the ways. I'd still like to go out and get a Jeep Cherokee, really, quite frankly. But uh, but mm -hmm. Mazda, I have a CX-9. So they, they've partnered with Place IQ, your favorite company on the planet. It's definitely one of my favorite companies. I mean, these guys, I, you know, I think we're, we're both big, big fans of, uh, of analytics and the value of all these kind of new metrics and uh, around location, which is, you know, where Place IQ specializes. And, and so really this is, uh, they're working with Mazda uh, and, and they're just helping them understand the demographic of where to target their ads, you know, who's coming into dealerships. Who are these people? Where are they coming from? What did they do before? You know how you know how do we get a, just a better understanding of you know who the Mazda customer is or the potential Mazda customer is? And they talk about in here uh, four hundred thousand people uh, who visited a Mazda dealership, and that they were able to determine that two hundred fifty thousand or so of them were high income SUV owners. Um, you know, and 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 how far they traveled to get to the Mazda dealership, and all this kind of stuff, which is just crazy valuable information if you're trying to figure out how to optimize your marketing spend whether you're in the car business or not in any business I mean this is just a great use case example of what's going on here you know and then think about this I mean in terms of ad optimization and what you can do with this but think about then you know how you take that data and then translate it to you know what you could do in the dealership or in the store right um, you know and, and, you know back to experience you know how do you then take all of that as we just described in terms of these 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 metrics and then move that to change and better the experience in the dealership to make it more personalized to those people as they come in right you know they've already gone to six other car dealerships and you know you know what they looked at and and then you know you can pass that information over to you know the sales guy you know on on his mobile device so that he's coming to talk to you in in a manner where he's already equipped with this information and he he knows your hot button issues he knows all these kinds of things right i mean this is what the, you know this is what it should be right uh, and this is what we're going to get to and and i think plus iq has done a, a valuable uh, service here in uh, in making these kinds of things available you know, I see if I think you have a man crush on Duncan. Come I do. on, come yeah, on. I yeah. 
I, uh, th- I this is amazing. Uh, you know, I think that this is, but it's so logical. Uh, I have a few challenges, right? So one of the statements that they made was the company can detect a device ID that's been hashed or obscured for privacy purposes when it is pre- present at one of the locations. That I think that there's a certain, you know, spot where you shouldn't. If, if you're worried about privacy and protection, that stuff should never be touched. So leave that alone, guys. Um, but what I, I, I truly, and the other thing is that, it, like I, I go to the Mazda dealership to get my car serviced, right? Um, so you've gotta be able to differentiate between me visiting the service department at a car dealership than me going there as an intent to buy, right? And I think sure. that even though, like it's, I mean, that's why they have the car service dealership car service right next to the dealership with a glass door so you can go in as you're waiting to go and see the latest and greatest right it's 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 brand retention which is brilliant so i think that there's a distinction there and there's a play for both right if i've agreed to this which you have to opt into location-based ads whatever platform it's on but if i've agreed to both then then it should be able to instead of put a sticker up on my window about my next service it should be able to give me deals to entice me to go in and get the service but then it should also know that when i've been to the service bay 16 times in a year it might be time to convert me into a a buy situation for the car so exactly brilliant yeah, and then you remember we talked about um, I think it was Rogers and Sprint uh, have launched a, a joint service uh, yeah. around you know uh, real time location based tracking of the health uh, of your car. Yep. So it knows you know your tires are wearing and it can send you an alert to say you know you should stop in the dealership it's nearby and you know get new tires, you know all that kind of stuff. And the same you know you, so you take the you know those sensors and that set of data you combine it with stuff over here like at place IQ and then obviously now you're you're in a situation where you can you can understand what's happening at the dealership level so anyhow great resource great uh, little case uh, here and uh, love this kind of stuff let me ask you one and, and, sorry go ahead yeah go ahead I, I just want one question about this is that you know I think that uh, do you do you base when you take your car in and maybe this is a question to everybody who's listening or watching is like when you take your car in uh, like I look up at my sticker and it says, you know, 85,000 kilometers yeah. or this date go. Right. And I'm I'm I mean, I'm directed by that. I don't pay attention. And maybe this is to my detriment. I don't pay attention to deals or incentives to bring me in earlier. I just say like, oh, 85,000, oh, 85,000 go. So I, like, I, is that how you operate as well? Yeah, in fact, um, my car like it basically it just it just came up actually the other day. So it basically comes up with an electronic message in the dash that says, service. "You know, your car's due for service in 16 days," and it's, it, it 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 gives you this down. reminder. Oh, you have it, a it's nice a car. countdown, right? Um, and, and so yeah, I mean, I'm not driven by the incentive or deal at all. It's it's you know the car's due for service. It's got to go in. Um, but I wonder if there's now, a play there, right? Now, when to... I get in there, when I get in there, I might be swayed by you know there's a special package on that includes a few other things that can be done to the car that yeah. you know weren't part of what you know was planned. So yes, I, c- I can be influenced once I'm there. But in terms of getting me there, typically it's just this this reminder in in the in the vehicle. This is a perfect example of maybe there's an opportunity to drive you in there. But once you do, the experience inside the store has to be much, much, much better. I know they put leather couches and they put free coffee and television and newspapers and all that, but that's not a great user experience. Right. So uh, I think that there's there's huge play here and Duncan is so smart for getting involved with this. And, and I, I, you know, they can make a career inside of just just Mazda. So kudos to Place IQ, kudos to Duncan, Duncan McCall is who we're talking about. If you're listening to this, Duncan, I tip my virtual hat to you, my friend. Good job, great resource. Excellent. All right, is that it? Are we done? I think that's it. Uh, you know what? I, I will. I, I will throw one little last, just quick little story in yeah. here. You know, if you're still out shopping, 
for those of you who haven't finished your Christmas shopping yet, like Rob and I, who, me? Me? and you haven't got your tree up yet, yes, and you live in the U.S., okay, and you need to get that Christmas tree, and you're, you're the guy who buys the real Christmas tree every year, yep. okay, go take a look at the partnership done this week between Uber and Home Depot. Really? Home Depot is the largest seller of Christmas trees in the U.S. in terms of volume, and now you can through your, if you have an Uber account, you can order your tree and Uber will deliver it to you. Come on! Awesome! Awesome! Come on! Do they deliver yeah. up to? They don't deliver up to Canada, right? You no. Obviously, have to be in a city that Uber is in. Yeah. So yeah. there you go, Uber Christmas trees, guys. I see Check that. it out. That is customer experience. Oh my goodness. See, there's a perfect example. And then you don't even see the payment, do you? you it just goes to your Uber account, right? You don't you even go. care. Done. Done. Oh, great way to finish this, Asif. Well, for those of you who are uh, still at this point, you just got a great nugget. Um, but we hope to see you. Come up and say hi to us at, uh, at Motive on the 12th and 13th. I will be there for both days. I know Asif will be there for both days. We'll be floating around. I'm actually going to go and sit and learn some stuff, which is great. I can't wait. And then we'll be speaking on Friday afternoon. Please come out and find us. We'll, if there's a party on, there's a party on the twelfth or something. You think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll be there. Um, I'll be yeah. the guy that looks like this, and Asif will be the guy that looks like that. We won't switch roles. Um, but please come up and say hi. We'd love to hear from you and uh, have a good conversation. And uh, for those of you who can't make it out to Washington D.C., <clears throat> we'll be back next week for episode number one hundred and sixty one six zero one six zero next week. And then we're going to get into our prediction show after that. But please come back. Please come back. But until All then, right. Asif, we'll see you in a couple of days, man. Yes. All right. And for Looking those forward of you, to it. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.